Welcome to episode six of the Play Your Yards Right podcast. I'm Sasha. I'm here with Sarah. And we have a very special interview today with uh, UNC and UCNA Saint guard Andrew Playtech. But before we cut to that, we need to break down the NBA Finals. And if you're up for it, if you're not too sad, I'm how do sad. you feel about your heat? Well, I honestly was hoping we could bypass this because we did the interview. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's not looking good. I did say, and I, I don't want to say that I was right because it's sad for the heat, but I was thinking this was going to only be five a five-game series here. Yeah. And that's what it's looking like. Um, the heat just don't have an answer, and we knew this. I don't think any team did. For anyone who wants to say this finals, we like got gypped because it was the 8C, the heat. I don't think that's true. I think any team really would have been a tough matchup for these Nuggets. They're dominant. Everyone's playing well, and it's not even just Jokic. Like, they're getting Aaron Gordon. Like, mm-hmm. what is he doing? I don't – he's playing out of his mind, I feel like. And they're just getting production from all angles. So I have a feeling tonight we're recording this, you know, game tonight, game six. I think this is going to – or game five. Game five. Game five. I think this might be it. Yeah. We'll see. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the heat petered out. Honestly, I feel like, like – Heat culture, they can only keep it up for so long. It relied on all the energy and everything. And I feel like just being at altitude and just this long like playoff run, I feel like it's just finally taking a toll on them. They're not getting production from guys who they were but during big, big wins like um, Martin and Struess. They've cooled off, guys yep. like that. So now, and it's hard for Jimmy Butler to put up 40-plus points a game. Um, Bam's been playing overall pretty well for the series, but I mean, they needed production from role, you know, I guess they're six man guys off the bench and they were getting it and now they're not. And yep. I think that's kind of where it's led us to be where we are right now. I completely agree. It's been fun to watch and I thought we were going to have a series after that game too. It seemed mm-hmm. like Spolstra came out, made all the adjust- yep. adjustments, started starting Kevin Love and it seemed like they saw what the he, what the Nuggets were doing, and they made adjustments. And I'm like, we may actually have a series here. Mm-hmm. But then it seems like the coaching adjustments were just done right back on them, and Spolster hasn't been able to find an answer yet. Yeah. Um, I do feel like we need to give the Nuggets their flowers a little bit. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, are you are you excited at all? It seems the last news I saw. Tyler Hero may be playing tonight. I did. I saw that where he was elevated to from you know too questionable, so yeah. he's suiting up tonight. So he's not going to be in his ridiculous fits on yep. the sideline that I got too angry <laughs> at to start saying what he was wearing anymore because I was like, just get him on the court yeah. at this point. So I'm hoping maybe that will bring a morale boost for them. I mean, I think starting Kevin Love gave them a little spark. Um, that was short-winded, but it lasted. I mean, if he can come out there, who knows where he's going to be at, though. You know, is he coming out there and just, like, looking like a shell of himself? Or yeah. is he able, actually, to make some key shots at big points? Um, that could be a big turn. I think that could be, you know, give the Heat a chance tonight, for sure. So they're really pulling all, all stops here, I think, with this move, obviously. Yeah. Um, so excited to see him back out there and not his ridiculous fits, but... I just don't know if it's too little too late yeah. to be dramatic. but And he's been, yeah, he's been out for, what, seven, eight weeks? Yeah. I think game shape is a very real thing. Yeah. So as much as he's been working out, like having to play, especially like in Denver at the yeah. altitude, um, I mean, who knows what his stamina can be like. Mm-hmm. But maybe having a guy that can come in, maybe play 15, 20 minutes and hit some threes, yeah. that may, you know, that, that may at least keep the games closer. I don't know if anybody's beating these Nuggets right yeah. now. Um, I mean, they've been dominant. They, you know, Jokic got in foul trouble in game mm-hmm. four. It seemed like everything was trying to break the heat yep. way and they just still couldn't get it across the line. Um, and they're doing all this like the last two games. I think Michael Porter Jr. scored like two points mm-hmm. and I thought he was going to be like a, their solid number yep. three. But they keep finding new guys that step up. Jokic and Murray working together mm-hmm. is just insane. Oh, their yeah. assists are scoring. They're assisting. They're scoring. They're rebounding. It just seems like it, there's not enough people on the court for Miami and yeah. they uh you know it, it just seemed all the writings on the wall that it's gonna uh you know it's gonna end in five right here tonight yeah. but the way that the Heat have played in these playoffs yeah. feels like this is exactly the prime you know when everybody's expecting uh, mm-hmm. uh Denver to come out and win it seems like that's when Miami keeps thriving that so wouldn't be too surprised if they end up pushing at six but uh this it, it feels like that's uh that's kind of a Kind of yeah. a pipe dream at this yeah. point. I feel like I'm giving a eulogy. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess with that, I will be at back obviously after these playoffs, you know, end. But up next, exciting interview with Andrew Playtex. So we'll bring a lot more positive energy for that. I promise my voice will not be so mundane during that. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's get to it. So welcome to the first ever sure. official interview for the Play Your Yards Right podcast. We are here with former UNC and Siena Saints star shooter, Andrew Playtech. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank so, you. It's good to be yeah. here. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks, for, thanks for having me. 
<laughs> of course. So uh, we just kind of want to jump right in, actually. So obviously playing at UNC is a huge deal, especially, you know, we're both local from the Capital District as well. Um, I mean, you had the opportunity to play against and with some of the greatest teams, you know, in the country. So you have any like all-star, amazing, memorable on-court moments that really stood out to you in your experience there? Um, I think the first one's got it. We, we won an ACC title. We actually, we split it with Virginia, but it was cool to, to be on a team that actually had a chance to win something there, you know, kind of leave, leave your legacy. But we went pretty far in the tournament a few times. Um, I'd say one that probably sticks is uh, we beat the brakes off of Duke at home yeah. once. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's always a good... Uh, Good memory uh, there, um, but it's it. I was blessed because it's so, it's so cool to have so many opportunities to have these moments. You know, you go to, you know, maybe a smaller program or D two D three. You maybe get one of those in your in your college career. I was, I got two of those guaranteed every year. So yeah. um, it was it was nice. Not that I, I'm saying I got used to it by any means, but um, to continue to experience that kind of thing was was such a blessing and one of the reasons I chose Carolina. A hundred percent. I mean, did you, so just going to North Carolina, did you always hate Duke or is that something that once you go there, you get like, you, you, it's a, a rite of passage? No, no. I was actually uh, growing up. I, I actually liked Duke a lot. Um, I was a big JJ Reddick fan. Um, uh, Kyle Singler, all those guys, but yeah. you know, no one in my family uh, watched basketball, played basketball. So uh, we kind of just grew up watching the the big teams on TV Um you know, I love I love Tyler Hansbrough and uh, Danny Green and all those guys as well. But uh, I definitely pulled for them a little bit when I was a kid. But that kind of faded uh, once I became a teenager, starting to do my own thing. I watched a lot of NBA and I was just a fan of, of the game in general. But um, yeah, I wouldn't say uh, growing up was it was a little it's a little different than it is now. But uh, I did I don't hate them by any means. I didn't hate the players. I was actually pretty close with uh, with a bunch of them uh, during my time there. Um, but the the thing that was crazy was uh, the rivalry really, you know, people say they're rivals or whatever, uh, but you can feel it down there. It's palpable. Uh, you go to Durham and you're wearing Carolina blue, they're going to let you know about it. And uh, vice versa. If, if It's really places. Raleigh has a couple of professional sports teams, but like uh, it's hockey and, and uh, soccer. So they don't have any basketball. Like basketball is like the true lifeblood of, uh, of the South, um, specifically in North Carolina. So that, that stuff, it's real, man. It's, it's cool. Um, but it's, it was sweet. Like going somewhere, if you had a game that day, be, you know, good luck tonight. And when I was like, wow, you know, people really, they take time out of their day and it, to, to make sure you feel appreciated and I mean, it, cu it cuts both ways, obviously. Right. Cause if you're not winning for them, it's uh it's tough, but um, there's highs and lows to it both ways, but I wouldn't have traded it for the world. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I guess we've touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to know about the atmosphere at the Dean Dome and Cameron indoor for those Duke UNC games. I mean, on TV, it's electric, it's insane. Mm -hmm. You know, just watching on both ends. Can you speak to, do you feel like it's truly as crazy as it seems or like as a player, what's it like being on the court there? Yeah, I will. We'll go one by one. I guess I'll start with the Dean Dome. Uh, we have one of the largest stadiums in the country. So it's I think it's 22,800 is the total capacity. And it's probably more than that because it's like standing room only there. Um, but the loudest moment I've ever heard in college basketball was... I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, I think if Theo had a dunk at the end of the game uh, when we were playing Zion and yeah. RJ's team, that was the loudest I've ever heard a stadium in, in my life. So that when that place gets rocking, it's, it's really, it's, it's something else. Um, but those games are so, so crazy. We played a, and then the other one was the, I, I can't remember. It was, I think it was a double overtime game against Duke my senior year. Um, which was crazy as well. But when you're out there, you, you're almost like willed by the fans to like, to give a little more, to give a little extra. Cause you're, you know, you're working your ass off like for 40 minutes and uh, um, you might not have it in the tank, but the fans like keep pushing you and pushing you to give, give more and more. So that's, I would say that's uh, the Dean dome, but at Cameron, it's like a, 
it's like a dull roar. It's it's crates from like 40 minutes before tip off. It's loud. Like when we're warming up, you can barely I have to be like this very close, probably a foot away from my teammates to say something to them because they can't hear me um, because it's a, it, the gym is a lot small. I think it's 8000 yeah. and the acoustics are such a way where all of the noise is like on the court. So when coach Williams is talking to us in huddles, we're all, it's like a bond, like a campfire. You're five heads around like a, in a circle and you, you can like, he's screaming at you to, uh, so you can understand what he's saying. Cause that's the only way he's going to get information across, but uh, both beautiful stadiums and I've, I've had a had success in both. So uh, yeah, that doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> that's just so wild so it's like and you mentioned the kind of being willed to win at your home court I mean just I've, I've always wondered that like from your perspective like you're obviously you're hearing that you know if you're in Cameron you're that energy is still there like do you feel mm-hmm. that the home team really has that much advantage or just a crowd being that loud and that passionate like even if you're on defense like do you feel that that still wills you or you really is is home court that much uh that much of a difference in those kind of environments i think especially in those environments it's an it's a huge advantage cuz we're obviously we get more tickets and more fans for home games um and they're only allowed to bring a, a set amount of people as per anything right. um so I, we have some of the best fans in the country as well they're passionate they're loud they care uh so i think that's the main the main difference and especially there too because there's even less of us that get to go uh, for family. I think we only get two tickets for there. So like bring my parents and we have this little section behind our bench and then yeah. everybody else, it's Duke blue and <laughs> that's it. So uh, I really, I really do think it makes a difference um, just because people care, care about it so much. Um, that's so great. If, if it was an, anywhere else, I mean, we, we had a lot of, played at Gonzaga I felt it was the same way um Tennessee like all, all these big schools really there's a, a palpable like buzz in there for the home team um anywhere you go so de- depending obviously but for right. these big schools and the schools that have a, a big following with with fans that care I think it really does make a difference yeah Right. And I mean, you had already kind of alluded to it a little bit with those uh, those Duke teams with RJ, Zion and Cam. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. you've obviously played against some amazing people. Was there anybody that like being on the court with them, watching them in person, you really knew right away that there's something different and special about them? You could tell pretty, pretty quickly. I knew like who didn't know Zion was going to be yeah. Zion, you know, um, but I don't think uh, I don't know if any of us knew that uh, this Zion news would be coming out. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's all. <laughs> uh, that's. Yeah, I don't know about all that, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that to him. Um, yeah. But I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a story. So uh, we were playing as my freshman year. We were at Syracuse, so you know, like hometown game for me. Uh, all, my whole family's there. Like whatever. I I come out. I check in. Uh, I had like a set period of time where I would go in. So it, it's like between I check in at like fifteen, and I'd get like four minutes like depending on if I like would played well or not so I I went in I hit a three from the left corner and then I hit a floater so I got like five points this is like five more points than I've been scoring like all year so I'm like rolling I'm feeling really good uh, I don't know if you guys remember Ty's battle at all oh yeah uh, but hell of a player so I that was my matchup so I got five points I think I'm you know doing good like clapping looking at my family seeing if they're up there and stuff coach williams is excited for me he comes down three possessions in a row like call does like the kobe thing where he's like iso and just beats me to the basket three three straight times in a row like six points my points are no more they have the lead again timeout horn like i'm i'm out of the game so that was the, that was the toughest guard i've ever had to play like personally in in there and he was just a heck of a player i mean there's so many i could go down all those duke guys uh uh trey jones uh like who else like a cam like just some of the stuff they can do and and move with the basketball like how skilled they are is is incredible so um there's 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 too many there's too many people are so good and then obviously you got to play with Kobe White and Nasir Little. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys going the are, are you seeing that like in practice every day? Is there something that you're seeing like, on a day-to-day basis with having those guys on your team where it's like these guys are are oh, yeah. 
Man, you have you have no idea. Um, actually, the the one who was like that the most was uh, Seventh Woods. I mean, he didn't. Uh, it didn't translate as well for him from from practice to games, but there'd be there'd be moments in practice where, you know, I don't know if you guys seen his high school mixtape. It was like one of the best like ever made, and he's like dunking from the free throw line. And he's not yeah. that though. He's like six one maybe, um, but he'd pull something out in practice like once every couple weeks, and we, we we'd like stop and look and be like, damn, like this guy, <laughs> this guy really really has it, but. I think we got so used to the amazing stuff. Like Nasir is just an incredible athlete. Cole Anthony, crazy athlete. Um, Cam, when he would when he would get hot in practice, and it's like nine, ten threes in a row in, in pickup or wherever for scrimmaging. Luke May would go off for like fifteen points in a row in a scrimmage, and like nobody could stop him. That was just like a day to day occurrence. And people like I had my moments sometimes, and. So some of the other like role players did as well, but like these guys were doing things consistently on a day to day basis where you just like shake your head and be like, some, some of these guys are just, just different. Yeah. I guess going on that with being around so much talent and everyone's obviously incredible athletes at that level. What do you feel like helps guys like kind of translate that over into their game on a consistent basis? Cause obviously we all see, you know, everyone knows they're great athletes and as a fan, you know, you feel like it's frustrating sometimes when someone doesn't have it or you see this potential and then that's just not translating out onto the court, whether it's at a college level or NBA. I mean, what do you feel like kind of helps like guys translate that over if anything I've picked up on throughout it? Yeah. Well, I think, I think this is the case with me as well. You know, I, I averaged like four, four points a game in Carolina. It wasn't like I was lighting up the scoring column and I come to Siena and uh, I obviously have a bigger role and uh, was able to translate my game better. I think something that helped me was just not everyone says like believing in themselves or whatever. Like I, I always believed in myself, but um, I had more of an opportunity to, to kind of show what I could do. And I feel like the older I get, the more mature I got with, with my game. And, and honestly, I think getting, uh, in a weird way, getting injured kind of helped me uh, reinvent myself as a player. I was always a good shooter, but I was a pretty, pretty good athlete and I could, I could get to the rim and, and finish. But um, I had to, obviously, because I tore my Achilles, I couldn't be as athletic as I wanted to. And like, I had this rehab period where I had to go through a bunch of stuff and get back to a place where I felt comfortable to play college basketball. And I'm not going to drive and dunk on anyone anymore, you know? Um, uh, so I had to, uh, yeah, kind of reinvent the way I played and, uh, you know, focus more on my outside shot and playing a little bit slower and more controlled. You know, I wasn't, as soon as I get the ball, it wasn't, okay, I got to make a decision right now. It was, okay, what what can I do with the situation um, that can that can lead me to an open shot or, or get to my space where I know I'm effective? Like I'm effective in, in the lane with floaters. I'm effective coming off stream, uh, of screens. It was doing things in a basketball sense that was uh, like playing to your strengths. Basically. I think I played more to my strengths at, at Siena because I had more of an opportunity to do it. And I was, I stayed longer on the, on the floor. Um, whereas Carolina, I was trying to keep myself on the floor. So like the, obviously the athletes are better and everything, but like I had to take charges and, and be the best defender and like do all the little things to try and keep myself on the court. And like scoring was just like an afterthought. At Siena, if I didn't score, like we weren't going to win games. So I think the responsibility of of that helped me become a better player, a better scorer, and and get to uh, get to these situations where I I could be effective in games more. Absolutely, and and kind of because of that, do you find yourself you're practicing and you're training, and then now as you're going into this next stage, are you finding that your training and practice is different? And do you have any like new unique techniques, drills, anything that maybe you used to do? or maybe that you've kind of grown into now as you've, you know, mentally and physically changed your game a little bit? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, I, I simplified everything pretty much, you know, cause I was the kid when I was younger um, or like younger, I'm 25 now, like when I was 19 <laughs> coming out of college, uh, <laughs> uh, I would do everything and anything I could to like get a workout and do, do whatever, work with coach Davis, work with coach Rob, coach Frederick, like, what do you need me to do to like get better? And I'd hear one thing and another thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try and do all these things at the same time. And that wasn't really effective in, in changing 
what I wanted to do. I think as I've gotten older and I've understand the understand the game more and like how I play, I'm not I'm not going to go out like I said and be a high flyer. I'm I'm not going to play as somebody who I'm not. I'm going to play as the player I know I can be and that's effective and that teams want to see and like that will get me on the court. So I think everything is more simple now. Uh work with my trainer Steve D'Agostino uh all the time we just talk about you know what can you do your strength is your shooting right so what can we do to get you open looks or not even open looks where because I don't need it I don't need to be open to score the ball anymore like if I have a little bit of space it's going to go up so how do we maximize the situations where you can you can do this well you need to be better off the ball you need to learn how to use screens better and set your man up and whatever use your shot fake to get to open space uh so i think doing a lot of that i do the same warm-up routine every every day now um I, i do the same pretty much drills like spot shooting i have specific things where i do that's like 30 or 40 minutes part of my daily shooting routine that doesn't change ever i do that every day because i think that's been effective for me, at least this year and in going on last year, because, you know, I shot 45% last year from three. So I think I did a pretty good job of, yep. you know, <laughs> figuring figuring something out, you know, um, more than I could say at Carolina. Carolina, I thought I tried to do too much all the time. And here I've kind of taken a step back and really analyzed what's effective for me and what's not. Like if I'm not feeling it one day, like if I'm, if I'm injured or whatever, and I need to rest it, then I'll take one. You know, I don't, I'm not trying to push myself too, too hard when I don't have to, when it's, when I don't feel it's safe because I have to take care of my body in a way now that I didn't, when I was 18 or 19, like I could go out, do three workouts and a lift and play pickup and then like be good to go for the next day. Like if I'm doing that at 25, I'm going to need like, I need more time to recover and do other things, you know? So I think kind of reeling in what I've done and being maximal efficiency with, with the hours I do put in on the court uh, has really changed my game and, and helped me play a lot better. For sure. I know you talked about obviously your practice, you know, routines on a day-to-day basis, but do you have any like pregame rituals or superstitions and stuff? Obviously they're not technical things, but they're equally as important <laughs> to some players. So yeah. is there anything you've kind of relied on? Well, this year, actually, uh, I was a big proponent. Like this year I was like, I'm going to try stuff out, just see, like, see what works for me. So I would, I would notice I would get like hungry during, during games or whatever. And then when I was at Carolina, it was, you know, whatever, like suck it up. Like you're, you're fine. Like just, just play. But I think it really makes a difference. So one of the things I would do is I would always have like a cliff bar, like 15 minutes before tip um, or like um, one of those wafer things. Uh, I don't know. They're like nature Valley wafers, but they're really good. And it's had like peanut butter and chocolate and whatever in it. So when I felt like satiated, when I played, it actually made me feel like I had more energy, maybe I didn't, but it made me feel like I had more energy that I could play with like during the game. So I think, no. Um, but I'd always eat something before. And then at halftime, I would have a little bite of something as well, just so I would feel good like the rest of the game. And I think that really helped my play on the court because I wouldn't feel like, there was like a pit in my stomach when I was, when I was out there because I would be full. So I think that helped me a little bit this year. Let's get nature Valley on the horn. They, I think they owe you. Some money. Yeah, I know. right? Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, I mean, coming from, I mean, local high school and then going to this top tier college program, coming to Siena, I mean, you've, you've been able to see and face various different coaching styles, strategies throughout your career. I mean, is there anything that you really carry with you now or any like coaching philosophy that kind of impacted your development as a player? And if so, kind of who, who provided that and uh, you know, what really resonated with you? Yeah, man. Uh, well, I've been around so many good ones, right? Like just yeah. I'm like hall of famers, legends of the game. And I think everybody has their own approach on basketball, which is what I've come to understand, like being being a little bit older and understanding the game a little bit more and coaching myself. You know, I coach uh, up at the Impact Center for for Kev's team, uh, Kevin Herter's team. Nice. Uh, I coach seventh graders. So that actually taught me a lot about 
myself and like what I like and I, what I don't like about, about coaching. But I think the one thing coach Williams really instilled with me is like the ability to consistently work hard, like every, every day, like everybody works hard. Right. But there are certain things you can do during a day to, you know, maximize your output. Uh, for him, it was, you know, waking up and, and talking to people, talking to his staff in the morning, in the afternoon, going over game, game film, whatever the case may be. But I've never seen somebody so diligent and so routine in it, you know, because some people take a day off, you know, Saturday, I'm going to hang out with my family or whatever. He obviously did that, but it wasn't, you never saw it when it was, when I was with him, it was all business all the time. Sure. We would laugh and joke and have fun because he's a great, <clears throat> great human, great man. He's very funny. Um, but just the way he worked and especially at, at his age was incredible. Like he never stopped. He was like clockwork every day. So I think I took that with me for the most part, like when I was at Siena and I think Carm, when I was at, uh, or sorry, at Carolina, when I was at uh, Siena with Carm, I think Carm has a way of caring about people uh, that helped me understand my teammates better, you know, because coming from a big program, one of the first things, like he said, like, this isn't Carolina. Like we have a different relationship. We are going to have a different relationship with everybody else, with like the, like the ADs and the board and every, everyone is more involved because like, this is, this is it down like in in the capital region like it's the biggest thing at a smaller scale so the relationships are just going to be different um and you have to treat your teammates as such so i think that really helped me grow relationships very close relationships with the people i had at Siena, and helped us translate it onto the court and like he was a big proponent of that and you know trying out different things and not just being stuck in your own ways and being able to try like you know yoga or um team film within in small groups so you can talk to like the we had a, a leadership council where we come in and have meetings with with the coaching staff um so i just like being intuitive and and, and learning new things was, was something i took from from Carm. So, like always be open to to changing your mindset and, and changing the way you approach things no that's great man and you have had such great experiences with such different people it's i feel like that's just going to make you a better player and better coach being able to get stuff from so many different people that's so great well, I have some questions about Roy Williams' dance moves. I know we talked about the locker room a little bit, so I was going to ask yeah. about the locker room first, but you touched on it. So now I just got to know the dance moves. We've all seen the clips, you know, after a big win. Yeah. And stuff. Is it, like, I can't tell if he's a bad dancer and it's, like, laughable or if he's actually, like, kind of good, but it's just the scenario, the scene. I don't really know. Like, was that kind of – was he – I'm sure he was a fun guy to be around in the locker room. Was that, like, a special yeah. side of him that came out after a big win or – Yeah, I, I think so. Um he's very like serious and to the point and like he'll he'll get on you if you're messing up obviously like, you've seen the clips of him like you know like ripping his his shirt or uh screaming at you like i've i've been on the wrong end of those uh plenty of times like believe me um but it's cool to see someone who takes it so seriously like you know there's like a crack in the armor almost and he just lets out a little like <laughs> a little i think everybody uh everybody from the south like knows how to square dance and everything like all, all that stuff but it was he's just so goofy with it because it's like everyone is these like six ten six eleven players all like huddle around him and he just like comes in all nonchalant and then he starts jumping up and down and we go crazy but there was one we do uh it's called late night with roy um the pre it's like midnight madness it's our midnight madness like before before the season and like we have to learn a dance with the uh, the carolina dancers so that's like part of the part of the, the fun. Yeah, it's so much fun for, for me. Uh, <laughs> so he comes out and he starts doing the electric slide. And like he didn't tell anyone that uh, he was doing it. So he just <laughs> starts busting out the dancing. So I would say he's uh, he's full of surprises. Um, but like I said, one of the reasons he's such a good coach is like when he wants to do something, he's going to put his time and his and his effort into it to make sure it's good because like he's not going to go out there and, and and embarrass himself i'll tell you that so um he always makes sure he's up to the like his own standard which i really appreciated about coach yeah he's, he's going to be the best electric slider that side of the mississippi 
<laughs> Absolutely. So, did, could you tell, like, while you were in the locker room, like, did you know that Hubert Davis was going to be the next guy? Like, did he have that kind of vibe of Adam? Did he carry himself? Because obviously, I mean, taking over for Roy Williams, I mean, those are, I mean, just about as big as shoes get in the college coaching world. So, like, I mean, was he? Did he kind of have that aura about him, or like, was that something that you you kind of felt that he'd be a logical next step? Man, I think everybody in that program had that aura. Like, you couldn't really go wrong, but. I think with the relationship that they had, Coach and, and HD, that I think we kind of saw it coming. Um, we wanted it to happen. Uh, no one was ups- in the program was upset that that it did, uh, and I'm so happy for him. I've been, I've had some really tough times down there as well, and I would always go to to Coach Davis to see what I could do. And he's been the most positive, caring, genuine person that I that I've met in at my time there. So you can't ask for a better human being than, than coach Davis to, to take the head of a program. I don't think there's a better one in the country. And um, I know last year was a little bit of a down year for them, but I have the utmost confidence and faith in, in that program and that man that, that they can get it done. So um, there's no better guy to be, to be at the head than, than him. Right. And in your time down at UNC, I'm sure there are a lot of like big name people, obviously within the program that we talked about, but even just going to games like those Duke UNC matchups. Was there mm-hmm. anyone that you can think of that you you felt like truly starstruck me in my time here? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like Michael Jordan, obviously, uh, he he was there before the Virginia oh, game. Yeah, oh, yeah, just throw that one in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, you talk about auras. Like, there's just some people that that like have that thing about them where it's like you, do, you can't get too close because it's literally like too bright and it was they just like take over a room in a way you like don't really understand uh, when I was a freshman that was how I felt about like meeting Tyler Hansborough the first time um who's just an absolute nut and then we played pickup once uh you know he's like cursing you out and dunking yeah. all over you so like he's he's a crazy dude um so that went away pretty quickly because he was just like one of the one of the guys you know um so I'd say Jordan's like that. Jay Cole came to one of our practices. Uh, that was uh, another guy where I was like, Gee, like I don't even belong near this near yeah. this guy right now." You know, um, there's been a been a lot. I felt like like that way with Coach a lot. Like I was afraid to, uh, you know, disappoint him just because like this is this is a hall of this is a guy that I grew up watching on national TV for years. He's got three national championships for what I do in my life. This is the this is the pinnacle. Um, but it was it was hard to separate that at, at times um, as this coach leader um, guy who's giving you instruction other than the Hall of Famer, like charitable, loving, like grandfather that that he is. Um, he had that duality of him um, and it was you had to kind of see both sides of him. So, um yeah, I would say that like those those three were. were I'd, yeah, good. I'd say that's a pretty strong list. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah <laughs> by Michael Cord- my, yeah, Michael Jordan, J. Cole, yeah. and Roy Williams. That's a, it's yeah. a solid list. Like thinking back to my middle school basketball game, my friends like first came for the first time when I was on the modified team in seventh grade, and they like all brought signs. I got in like significant air ball from the corner, and I'm thinking about like if J. Cole is at my game, like I would get air ball left and right. Staying like, in the I locker room, with my friends in seventh yeah. grade. Wow. So what's uh what's it like? What I, I've always been curious about this. What's like the student workload like at UNC? Like, if you're a student athlete, you're on like I feel like being on the basketball team at University of North Carolina is, I mean, I mean that's a top tier thing. Like, are you is everybody going to classes and they making people and then kind of transitioning off that? How did that? If so, did that change going uh coming to Siena? Yeah, I mean, college is college, right? So it's not easy by any means. Um, and I think the one thing people don't get, like maybe the casual fan, maybe you guys do is that you're in school all year. So I got like three weeks off, like the entire year. So we'd finish our season. We'd be in class, like we're taking classes on the road, tests on the road, whatever. Like when you're, when you're traveling, obviously. Um, but then you go home after the season for like a week and then you're back for summer school, like by the end of May. So you have summer session one, you go home for a week, summer session two, and then you get two weeks, maybe a month I had. So you get two weeks at home in August and then it's preseason. So in those, in those times, you're constantly taking classes. You're meeting with tutors. Like I had tutoring like three nights a week. Uh, it really depends like on, 
on how like good of a student you are. So if, if you get good grades, which I had my first few years, um, you like, you don't have to go to tutoring um, or, or do any of that stuff. So, but in, in terms of like going to classes, uh, like there'll be days where I didn't go obviously, but uh, I, our school, like our team is so small. There's like 15 scholarship guys, right? Or 13. I can't remember the number exactly, but um, it's not like football where there's 150 or whatever yeah. it is where it's hard to check if like every single all the corners went to class today or like all the dbs or whatever like <laughs> there's 15 of us yes. so our <laughs> staff can easily look down the list and go to each class and see so we had like class checkers and all that stuff yeah because it's important not only to get your education for any kids listening like go to school go to class <laughs> um you have to like there's an attendance a mandatory attendance so you can get credit for the course so you don't fail and you can play so that was like the main the main thing like you, you need to be on the court you need to be in class um and that was he was adamant coach williams was adamant like if you don't if you're messing around with your classes like i don't care who you are and he's bench players like great players for not going to class and like you think if i didn't go to class like i would ever get in the game like you're out of your mind so i think uh it was, it was very, it, it was a lot. It was a lot all the time. Um, and it's, it was a little different at Siena, obviously, because, you know, private institution, um, smaller class sizes. Uh, it was, they didn't really have the resources to like check if you were there or not. Um, and to be honest with you, like I was in the graduate program, so I was a little like distant from, from everybody else, but you know, the same things that are talked about for underclassmen at Carolina were talked about as, as an underclassman for Siena, you know, making, <laughs> oh, so-and-so didn't go to class today. Like, what's going on with him? Like, does he have a problem or does he just, like, not want to go or whatever? But it's just daily things you got to take care of. I mean, sometimes I'm sure you guys don't want to work. So, like, that was, yeah. it's like the same, same kind of thing. And you guys both, there were days where you went to school where I'm sure you didn't want to go to class or did not go to class. Like athletes are are the same way, so they try and lower the amount of coursework um, for the school year uh, by taking classes in summer. That's why you're in school the whole year. So instead of taking six six credits, you're taking four. Like, well, I don't know how they did it when you guys were in school, but we had like credit hours. So yeah, we needed twelve credit hours per semester, um, like per week. So you had to obviously go to your classes about 12 credit hours while they have the typical student or the average student was taking like 16 or 18 or whatever the case may be. So we're taking less, but we're going to school more. And I don't, some people don't see, still don't seem to understand that. So no, that, um, that's a grind. And also yeah, like, so did you guys feel that like winter, like the winter break, was that a, was that like kind of a break for you guys just having to focus on basketball or they're just hammering down no. two a day practices and you're, you're feeling yeah. good. Well, Carolina was, was funny because it's like every every student goes home like December 11th or whatever. And it's like <laughs> Coach Williams like starts licking his chops. He's like, okay, this is this is basketball time. Like we don't have any more finals, no more whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, all right, we're in. We're in in the morning. We're working out. And then we got practice in the afternoon, whatever. And then we'll, we'll lift. So it's kind of like it's like a mini. It's like a boot camp kind of for him. So you can kind of like buckle down and really focus on what you need to focus on because you know, Carolina is like a top 30 school in the country. Like it's, it's hard, like no matter what program you're in. Um, so when you don't have that constant overbearing weight of getting good grades or like doing your homework or writing papers or whatever, like you get to focus on basketball. And I think he really enjoyed that. And it was fun to, to not, to just be around like, it's like you are when you're on your visit, you know, you get to go, you get to work out and then you get to play and then you get to practice without having the responsibilities of, of school. So when, when that, those times came, came around, it was, it was fun, but you're still playing during that time. You know, December right. is like right in the beginning of the season. So like I got like two days at Christmas to like go home, like basically like per year we'd play in the CBS sports classic every year. Um, and then we'd like fly home for two days, like, open presents on Christmas morning, say hi to your family, like your dog or whatever. And then you're back on the plane, back to, uh, back to Chapel Hill or like wherever you're going. Um, and then you play again on like the 28th. So <laughs> it was, 
it's a it's a job like it's it's real yeah. it's tough um and i'm glad well like i don't know if you guys can talk about nil stuff but um the fact that people are getting like proper compensation now um because all the schools can afford it man like i don't care what like where you are uh you bring a certain depending on your inherent value like to a program to a team whatever whatever they deem you as like you should be able to be compensated for that because basically you are an employee of the school. So, yeah, I don't know. That's, yeah, uh, 100%. And, and so obviously, I mean, everybody talks about these NIL deals and how they affect these huge programs and everybody's like, oh, you know, the, you know, the Alabama quarterbacks making X amount and the Georgia defensive lines making this. How do you think that NIL is going to continue to affect maybe some of these mid-major schools and players like yourself that like have this insane talent and maybe keep them local or give them the ability to maybe make some money and maybe, you know, be a, be an employee at this institution that's clearly making yeah. an insane amount of money and can, and can afford it. Sure. Um, it's so nuanced, man. Like there's so many things. Well, I can only really talk about basketball. Like yeah. for football, it's so much different. Like, cause they have their TV contracts are insane. And like mm-hmm. all the schools are making, but like the ACC was a revenue sharing conference as well. So, like, it, I'm trying to think of like if if Georgia Tech finishes the bottom of the league, just because you have Clemson in there, like Georgia Tech's gonna be fine, and that's why they'll yeah. never leave the ACC. Same with all these big schools in the SEC. Like Alabama's gonna float that conference for Alabama, Georgia, whoever, for years. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter. So, I think there is more. I don't think kids are asking for too much. I think some kids are getting a lot deservedly. So, cause they're so talented, but that's the thing. It's kind of like a meritocracy, right? Like you're only as good as like your, your inherent value, like to, to a school. Like if you're, if you're professional, you get paid the same way. If you don't produce, you get cut. Like it's, if you don't produce in college, you're going to get cut too. So why shouldn't you see a, a, a fraction, a tiny fraction of the profits that, that schools can give you? Cause they do have the money. They just, some go are a little sneaky about the way they hide it and others just simply don't want to pay. But I think it's such a small percentage of the overall college population. I'm talking guys, girls, oh, any yeah. sport, every sport. It makes up a, a tiny fraction of how much schools make and like what they're spending their money on. Um, and I'm talking in like overarching, uh, like a university. Um, so for them to not get paid, I'm surprised it even took this long. You know, uh, I missed it by a little bit, but I'm glad I was able to do something this year with with Duncan. But like, I would have never had that opportunity if I played ten years ago, which is ridiculous because I think the, the guys are just as just as talented, and there's more than enough money to go around. I just I don't really know the proper way to like give kids the money they deserve. Cause I think m- for the most part, kids are pretty irresponsible with their money. Um, <laughs> my, I was always a fan of like whatever money you make for the school or whatever money they deem you at, just like put it in escrow and like get it mm-hmm. after you're done. Like I would, yeah. I was a proponent of that because it was like, you can't just go spend crazy money. But on the other hand, like who am I to tell you what to do with your money? You know, like you can do whatever you want. If you have that value, then by all means, if you want to go buy a car, like go for it, man. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think kids will learn a lot faster if they have that money and maybe lose that money or, or figure out what to do with it. But we're in a whole new, whole new ball game right now. So it's very exciting. It's definitely come a long way. I can think back even like in college, if I ran a race in the off season, I could not accept any prize money or anything, even if I wasn't even wearing probably yeah. same for you like pickup tournaments and stuff like that. So like yeah. not only were we not getting paid for what, you know, we were bringing into school, but you're actually losing money on the yeah. things you're doing off season or off campus. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely shifting in a good direction. Um, so I guess pivoting a little bit more to Sienna here. I know obviously you're from the Gildan area. So that was probably a huge draw to bring you back there. Was it kind of like that always the plan once you decided you were going to be continuing on after North Carolina or did you consider any other schools or from here? No, to be honest, I, I thought I was going to quit basketball after I was, I was done. You know, I tried to do the pro thing, uh, after Carol, I was down in Carolina and I got a talk, started talking to an agent and, um, you know, he sent my tape out and every, all the feedback was like, you know, well, he's good and he comes from a good school, but 
he only played like 11 minutes a game. So like, what, what can you do? Like, what can he do? Like games are 48 minutes, you know, like we don't have enough tape. We don't know enough about him. Like what happens when he's in a game for, for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. So there wasn't enough information on me to take a chance on somebody coming from a good school. So it's like, well, shoot, like, <laughs> what am I going to do now? Um, so I was going through some tough times, like personally at the, at the end of that too. I mean, everybody was during COVID, but, um, I really didn't, I fell out of love with, with basketball. You know, I didn't really, it didn't bring me the joy that I had before. So I came home, uh, you know, was with my parents trying to figure out what to do. I kept playing, like playing and training, but you know, I was put on some weight. <laughs> like I, it's like 220. I've never been that, that big in my life. Um, I was like, damn, like, what am I, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> and I played in a, uh, a like a, a game, like a summer league game. And um, like with all the best players in like the capital region, this was up in Troy. Uh, and I'm averaging like, you know, first game I come out, I have like 41 and then come back and like 47 the next game and like 50 the next. And, uh, you know, I still got it kind of. Yeah. I could still play. <laughs> so I was like, I'm, I'm still pretty good. Um, so that gave me a little confidence and then Carm has been a mentor of mine since I was, you know, 13, getting the, getting into AU. He's a city rocks guy. I'm a city rocks guy. Got connected through, through Jim Hart and he was so like pivotal and like helping me make good decisions. Like even, even if he was at Boston university when I got my first offer and then, uh, from them and then GW. But even if it was another squad, I'd be like, Hey, like, do you know this guy? Like what's, what's his deal? Like, is he a good dude? And he'd be like, yeah. And like credit to Carm, like hundred percent every time he was correct about his, his take something. So that helped me decide ultimately my goal in the future. So I was, he helped me a lot throughout my career. So I thought, you know, what better way to come full circle than to come back and play for him. So I did, um, ended up working out. I had to go through a bunch of hoops and hurdles with, uh, the, uh, NCAA, uh, with getting a waiver, uh, which was unbelievably difficult. I have the waiver that I got is only been granted like five times or something crazy in the history of, uh, the NCAA or NCAA basketball, which is crazy. So, um, I ended up, it ended up working out. I served a few games suspension because of that summer league I played in, which was unsanctioned going back to your point <laughs> the, about the, the playing for prize money and stuff. So idiotic. I, it was unbelievable. But so I came back and then uh, played like four games. This was not last year, but the year previous. Um, and then tore my Achilles in the Manhattan game. Um, and then I had to, I redshirted and then came back and, and played this year, but being being away, I went to prep school as well. So I went to Gilderland for three years and then I reclassed and went to Northfield Mount Herman, which is in Western Massachusetts. Uh, but I bored it. So I was away from my parents basically for like six years. You know, I would come home and, and be home for like a month, three weeks or whatever. But after that happened, like it's all right. See, Andrew, like you're, you're back at school now. I, I was away from them for, for so long and, I think it really took a toll on them and, and me as well. Like our relationship kind of strained. It was tough. Like it's expensive to go down to North Carolina and, you know, come from a you know decent family, but it was like, it's hard to not decent enough to avoid like afford trips down like every month or so. Like yeah. I was lucky if I got them like twice a year. So um, it was really tough on them and, you know, COVID hit and everything and, that was like even more tough because they're, they're older. So it's, um, it, it was, it was very hard. It was, it was difficult. So I think being here and being able to live with them and be close to them, like, uh, like even now I get to, you know, after this, I get to go downstairs and have dinner with my parents. Like I haven't been able to do that in years. So, uh, I'm very thankful for, for the way things turned out and I, I couldn't have asked for any more. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, I know you had uh, you had mentioned this with you know how huge the Cameron uh, you know, or the Dean Dome is, 
Um, do you think that like the MVP arena is a huge advantage for the Siena program? Because obviously those teams are playing in conference. You know, the the stadiums are just such a different, <laughs> uh, you know, a, a different kind of ball game. And yeah, then, you're telling me, man. Yeah, and then kind of based on that also, I mean, everybody <laughs> kind of got the uh, little peek behind the kimono uh two years ago when st peter's made their little uh, made their run and people were you oh, know, yeah. sharing all the stories about how bad their <laughs> stadium or gym was so what do you think of the mvp arena and then is the st peter's gym really as bad as uh, anybody <laughs> made it out to be uh for for your first point um no question it's not even close the difference between the mvp and every other arena like not even in the same stratosphere like we have we have a really good mid-major arena. Like it would be, yeah. it would be one of the best arenas in the A10. Like it's, it's that, it's that good. And I think it gives you such an advantage at home, especially in those big games like Albany and Iona, whatever. Like you get eight thousand people in there. That place is rocking. Like it's, it's really. There's been some really cool, like sweet moments, and I'm like, that when I hit that three uh, against Albany, like I've haven't like in the second half. Yeah. I haven't heard it that loud since, you know, I was at Carolina. You know, it was, it was crazy. So we we were lucky enough to play in a place such as like as cool as that. Um, you know, shout out to them for letting us letting us use it all these years because we could just as well play in, in the UHY uh, over mm-hmm. at Tiana. So um, definitely a huge advantage. Um, but I think in uh, for St. Peter's, I played terribly there. So like I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Like I missed. I was. I think I was like one for one for five from three. So, one of my worst shooting uh, outputs of, of the year. Um, I didn't love it. Uh, it's fine. It's like a big <laughs> high school gym. Like I. I don't. I don't know. But I think they do have a little little bit of an advantage there. Um, as all the home teams do. I will say for the MAC, every team's home court has a unique way of benefiting like their team. You know, Iona's loud. It's compact. They're they press the whole game, so they're like on top of you, and it it really, like, it it shows like in in the way like their stadium or their their arena is built or, or not arena their <laughs> their uh, their gym is um, at Quinnipiac. It's like spread out, and there's a lot of space everywhere. Like, which is how Quinnipiac like wants to play, and I think it like mir- kind of mirrors their their games a little bit. So it is a little bit interesting. Um, but yeah, no, I, I wasn't a fan of St. Peter's, but we definitely do have the best, uh, the best arena. I will say Fairfield, their new place is really nice. It's a lot smaller; it seats about three thousand, but uh, it's uh, it's not bad. I think it'll be pretty good this year. Well, I know we have a lot of Sienna fans listening. Um, so <laughs> you do give us, I'm, I'm saying a lot. Yeah. It was actually, like, well, we'll <laughs> my brother in there, so we'll call him in that. Um, but who would you say we should be on the lookout next year and next or for on next year's Sienna team? I think the obvious answer is Michael Ely. Um, yeah. He, I remember sitting him down and, you know, cause people like transfer left and right. Right. Like we had JVN and, and Jared leave and then uh, like seven seniors. So, he's kind of here's the keys to the program you know mike like take us take us where you will um he's one of the most talented players i've like raw talented players i've played i've played with a lot of good players um and i think if he if he wants to he could like he could be player of the year in the mac um it's just a matter of him sometimes he gets in his own way uh, just being frustrated about things and um you know if stuff's not going his way, um, but he's a young kid. So like, he'll get over that and whatever. I tried to help him the best I could, but um, he will be, if he's not first team all Mac this year, like I'm, I'll be shocked. Uh, barring fingers crossed, no injuries. Uh, I think he'll be, he's a very important piece and like, he's the engine that's going to make Sienna go. So I think when he's on, they're going to be really deadly. Um, should be one of the best teams in the Mac, uh, even though we lost a lot of good players. Um, I'm banking on on him to be uh, successful for for the program. Um, I think Killian Gribben is going to have a good year this year. Um, he's out playing with uh, Ireland U19s right now. Yeah. Um, so he, he'll put on a little more weight this year. Um, but I think he can be really good. He's got crazy feel, good touch. He's really long. Uh, I think defensively, especially, he'll he'll be a difference maker this year with with some extended minutes now that Jackson and 
Eduardo are gone. Um, so I think those two guys, I haven't really played too much with, with the new guys. Um, but I think Brandon Coyle and Mason Courtney will help the team this year in ways they couldn't last year just because they couldn't find find time with, with the people that were in front of them. But I think with how hard they've been working this year, and I've seen it because I'm in there every day and, and they are as well, I think there's there's opportunity for them to, to really show a little more of what they can do and, and keep their careers going on the right path. No, that, that's great. And I really hope so. So, yeah, my, my grandpa and dad have had season tickets since before I was born. I've been a season ticket holder forever. So huge, huge Sienna fan. And I, I completely agree. Some, when you could see Ely start to get hot or start to feel himself, get a little bit of swagger on there. It's like you could not tell that he was a freshman. He would just play no. so hard. And I, uh, I'm very, very excited to hear you say that. And uh, now with, uh, with Patino gone, I mean, do you think that Sienna really kind of holds the keys in that division? I mean, if you're going <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be playing in that kind of you know in if you're looking to play in the mac and at those kind of teams i mean why would you not want to come play at the mvp why would you not want to come kind of have this fan base like do you, do you think that this is uh now that patino's gone it's kind of a time for for sienna to kind of take control of the mac yeah it should be right like i can't i'm not going to predict the future if the thing about college like college basketball is like every team has the potential to do something great. It's just a matter of coming together at the right time and, and figuring out how to maximize what your team does the best. So if they're able to do that this year, by all means, they have more than enough talent to do it. Uh, it's just if they can figure out how to do it the right way in the way that's most effective for them. But I would like Tobin Anderson's no slouch either. So I yeah. think he's going to, he's going to bring in a lot of good, good players they're going to run good stuff they're going to be hard like well coached well disciplined um and i really like quinnipiac's coach as well and and Kinesis. i think there's a lot of great coaches in the mac um but like i said it's just it's maximizing the talent you have on the floor um so if we can do that better than other teams i think our our talent will win out yeah but i don't want to jinx them and say i think they'll win um but i have a lot of faith in in the Siena saints for next year I appreciate the not wanting to jinx them, but I don't yeah. want to hear anything positive about any of the other teams. So, okay. <laughs> Well, I know you said you weren't going to make any predictions, but I'm going to pivot to the NBA upcoming okay. draft here. Um, yep. Who is your dark horse or sleeper pick in this upcoming NBA draft? I'm sure maybe you've had some experience playing with some of these guys just from watching. What do you think? Oh, man. Uh, there's so many good players. Um, obviously, Wemby is, I think, will be really, really good. Um, I don't hot take. I don't think he'll be a breakout like superstar. I think he'll be very solid. It's just really for me, especially I like, I'm a big fan of these huge guys that, that can play. Like I think Jokic should have won MVP and I think he's the best player in the NBA right now, but tall guys who are really skinny and like fluid who like move their body and can get to the rim really easily just have a, such a higher chance of getting injured or doing something like weird with their body not that i'm saying that he's going to get injured but there's so much extra care and like protection you have to do with your body when you're that big and long um that you don't have to do when you're a little six four compact guard you know like you can you can get away with a little more stuff um i think he's going to be amazing i really like uh grady dick from kansas um i think he's going to be incredible i think he's got such a feel for the game but also our local guys, like I think Andre will will sneak into the first round. Andre Jackson, yeah. um, he'll be a if he can. I know Dags is working with him on a shot all the time. If he can become a consistent like thirty five plus three point shooter, he'll be in the league for fifteen years. Like he like most athletic guy in that draft class, um, and I don't think it's particularly close. Best defender, um, he's got all the intangibles. He's that's super smart, great with the ball. The NBA is a flowing, free-flowing league now, more so than ever. So his ability to make decisions and get into the lane, because I don't think anybody can stay in front of him, um, will be very helpful for him. And I think teams ha have seen that and are seeing that, and that's why I think he'll sneak into the first. Um, but also, I'm just looking at a mock right here in, in the second round. Um, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of good, a lot of good players here. Um, yeah, they have uh, Andre going 34th to Charlotte right now in the one I'm looking at. But um, all these guys are super, super young and, and raw and talented. Uh, 
there's going to be one that's going to be a star, but if I, I couldn't put my name, I think Grady will be really good. I think Andre is going to have a chance. I think Wemby is going to be, give it five years. I think he'll be a yeah. 25 a game superstar. No, I completely agree. I've been thinking the same thing about him just because, I mean, he is so huge and it's like, you know, you realize that, you know, people like Giannis that come in tall, skinny, you know, kind of aren't the norm. And I feel like that is a little bit expected now. It's like, oh yeah, we'll get them young and skinny and we're going to, they're going to be able to put on 50 pounds of muscle. No problem. It's like, that's, that's not as easy as Giannis not, made it. Look. Yeah. No, nobody's felt yeah. like him. Yeah. yeah more <laughs> often. Yeah, more often than not. And also, people forget last year, what's his name? Uh, what, Chet Holmgren. Yeah, coming out of last year. It's same kind of deal. Super tall, skinny, and missed the whole season. So, we'll see what we'll see what kind of happens. But, uh, yeah. yeah, just watch. I, my favorite, One of my favorite things on the internet is watching, you know, uh, Wemby just meet normal-sized people. <laughs> <laughs> Have you just, seen his uh, his cam where he's got the eyes, like, looking no. out the room? You got you to look that up when, when the podcast is over. Yeah. He puts a headset on, and you can, like, see – like it looks like he's playing on a little tech soup. It's it's incredible. <laughs> like like how I would go in my backyard and put it to like seven feet, and like yeah. that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like for him. It's, yeah, it's it's crazy. And I think we're all hoping that he can uh, he can live up to the expectations because uh, I think I can't remember who I heard say it, but somebody said it's like he's gonna come into the league and he's gonna get embarrassed a lot because of just his size and it's like kind of you know young but then you're gonna want you know he's gonna start shooting he's gonna make a block you know there's he's gonna be in the paint and somebody's gonna be pulling up for three and then he's gonna end up blocking the shot because he can somehow yeah. like guard both the rim and the three-point line at the same time so it's like there will be some times where he gets like an unfortunate clip put out there but yeah you know, if, if I, talent, I will say he going to san antonio is going to help him incredible like pops pedigree with international players and the one thing about Wemby he's like unlike other like like unanimous number one but like never seen this before like he wants to improve on everything at least with the interviews I've seen with him with like Windhorse and all those guys mm -hmm. like just talking to him like he didn't have to learn how to speak English like he's French like he's fluent in English like he obviously cares about the perception of himself and like how he wants to get better and he listens to people like both of his parents were athletes and i really think that goes a long long way especially when you have you can learn under someone like pop i think that'll help him like immensely um and i don't think they're gonna you know put him to waste because right. i think pop has a plan and and i and i trust and i trust him more than i would trust a lot of coaches in this league sure. draft, drafting him have you played with any international players? I know you mentioned the the guy in Ireland, but have you played with like? Because the grind seems a little different over there. I mean, like, the league is being taken over by a lot of these guys that aren't yeah. from the U.S. And I feel like the mentality there is just like you said there, where it's like it's it's all about the grind from day one. You know, they, yeah. they're coming over here bilingual. Like, how many people yeah. you know going over to going over to play somewhere else? And right. All of a sudden, they're their language. So, well, no, like, I, I think in in America we're so American centric, right? And I think being Eurocentric is just like being worldly. So they, they understand more about other cultures and other people, especially in, in America. Like we, I don't care what anybody says. We have, we have the best basketball, like maybe not the best players in the world right now. Cause you're talking about the Giannis and Jokic and Joel Embiid, but like, yeah. like five through 50, they're all American. Like, yeah, we still, <laughs> we still like run, we still run basketball. And like, I, I think the world games will, will prove that again this year. And, even our younger AU teams, they're kill they'll kill like right your like Euro teams. So we when our talent works hard, it's not even not even close. But I think uh European talented players like these bigs, because everyone learns how to do the same things, right? Like they all learn how to pass dribble and shoot. If you're six four when you're eleven, you're shoved down on the block <laughs> and like you're gonna learn. But I think that's starting to shift because people are seeing how good Jokic is and like yeah. how effective that can make teams. Um, and the fundamentals are changing. And I think Dags does a really good job with this is like, no matter how tall you are when you're younger, you're going to all train. You're going to train the same way. He has a Eurocentric view of, of, of training where you need to be able to pass dribble and shoot because you never know what situation you're going to be in in a game. And like, why wouldn't you want to shoot threes and, and help your team be better? Like, in, in every way you can so uh, basketball is changing and uh, like i i love i love the way it's changing because i mean it helps me but like yeah. i i really like the way the game is played right now 
For sure. Well, it's been a blast having you on. We're going to close out with a full court press. This is a rapid fire section. Just a few questions. Don't All get right. too nervous. I didn't send them to you ahead of time because I wanted to read off the test and answers here. So, Mr. Right. Hoff, what is your go-to Dunkin' order? Medium hot chocolate, small hot chocolate. Sorry, with a if I'm going for breakfast, small hot chocolate and like a sausage egg and cheese croissant. Mm -hmm. Favorite sneaker? Uh, Jordan ones. Uh, the UNC colorway. NFL team. Bills, go Bills. Okay. Most talented player you've played with or against? Oh, God. Against? Probably Zion. Okay. Stewart's, Curvers, or Corner Ice Cream? Oh, my God. Uh, uh, I live right down the road from Corner, <laughs> so I'm going to have to go to Corner. <laughs> It's a good answer. Good answer. Um, most difficult environment to play in, excluding Cameron, because we already talked about that. Uh, Gonzaga. Okay. I feel like this is a softball to end with, but your your basketball goat, greatest ball run. Oh, that's so tough. Uh, I think the greatest player to ever play is still Jordan. I think the best player to play is LeBron. Ooh, love it, love it. It's kind of a so kind of beautiful, man. Kind of a cop out, but you know. Yeah, it's like I think I think I think Roy and you would have had the uh, whole uh, whole UNC army at your door. You know, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But listen, know. man, we can't thank you enough for your time. But uh, what what is uh, what's the next step for uh, Andrew Playtech? What do you got on the docket? What are the uh, what what are the next basketball and beyond uh, future looking like? Well, I got an agent, so. I am doing stuff with him and he's Greek. So I've got a few offers now um, to play over, over in Europe. Um, but it's early. So I won't be, I won't sign anything until probably like late July, but it really just depends on the team. So now I'm like fielding offers, you know, this is my job now. So I wake up and I train pretty much all day and I'll play all the time and, you know, play some golf on the weekends, but um, you know, six days a week I'm, I'm working. So like working you know i play a game but uh this is my life and it's it's really fun it's it's all i've ever wanted to do so i i can't really imagine myself doing anything else so i've it's so much fun man i can't it's it's sweet i get i get to do this but it's a little ner nerve-wracking because i'm a rookie so i've no one has ever done this that that is close to me um only my trainers and like like friends who are for who are pros nobody in my family so uh we're just trying to figure it out as we go so you see me over somewhere in europe in in september love it man we'll be rooting for you well thank you again so much for your time and we will uh we'll talk soon we'll, we'll get you back on when you're uh when you're over in europe and we'll get the uh we'll get everybody over in the states watching the games would love to man thank you so much